0: Psalm 84, I love that um, this is right at the end of Feast of Tabernacles because the psalmist starts out saying, how lovely are your dwelling places. And that's what the people feel as they're coming up to the feast. How lovely it is to be in the temple of the Lord, to be in the courts of the Lord. So verses 1 and 2, Psalm 84 says, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. What it literally says in Hebrew is how beloved are your dwelling places. Lord, I love your dwelling places. I love to come into the house of the Lord. Remember the scripture that says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I hope you all feel that way, that you love to come into God's house. You love to be with the people of God. You love to worship the Lord. You love to have a place where we're praying as a group, seeking the Lord together. And that's what the psalmist said. He says, I love your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. And remember the name Lord of hosts means God of the armies of heaven, the armies of the angels, and the armies of Israel. So it's a very majestic, it's one of the most majestic names of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, God of the armies of Israel, the armies of heaven. So have you ever had a place where you loved to meet with the Lord? That you knew even as you were getting close to that place, maybe to that prayer room that you have or to the place where you walk and meet with Him outside you're getting close to that bench or that area, you feel the presence of the Lord already because He's already there waiting for you. He's anticip- anticipating your coming. You're anticipating meeting with Him and you're already feeling a drawing. And there's a hunger in you that's starting to rise up. Man, if you don't have a place like that, I would say pray for it and look for it. Lord, where is our place? Where is our special bench, our special room? I've got a friend that has a prayer chair, and she sits in that chair every day for hours, praying, seeking God, being in scriptures, worshiping the Lord. And sometimes a prayer meeting I'm involved with meets at her house, and she'll say, well, this is my prayer chair, and y'all can sit anywhere here. But this one's mine. This is where I meet with the Lord. Man, I hope you have a prayer chair. I hope you have a prayer place where you meet with the Lord. The psalmists loved to journey to the tabernacle on holy days, the feasts of the Lord, because they knew they would meet with God there. They knew the Lord was waiting. He was expectant. And so then they were expectant to meet with Him. We need to have a place where we know we meet with God. He writes, my soul longs and faints for, and the word in Hebrew actually means languishes for. My soul languishes for the courts of the Lord. Man, I'm so thirsty and hungry to be in the courts of the Lord. Even my flesh, which often the flesh is in opposition to the Spirit of God. But he says, even my flesh cries out for the living God. So have you cried out? For the living God? Is this a part of your regular devotional life? Does your soul long for him to this degree that you would faint or even languish for the presence of the Lord? Hold your place there and let's flip over to Psalm 42 and read verses 1 and 2. Both of these Psalms are written by the sons of Korah, who are some of the worship leaders in David's day. Psalm 42 He starts out saying, As the deer pants or longs for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So here's the same thought. I'm thirsty for you. I'm longing for you. My soul is panting after the living God. When can I come into the presence of the Lord? When can I leave the mundane things of this world, set them aside, and just be in that holy presence of God? You'll remember that um, in Psalm 27, verse 4, King David said a similar thing. He said, there's only one thing I want, one thing I've asked for, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He said, to see his beauty and to inquire of him. That means to fellowship with him, to commune with him in the temple, to gaze upon him in awe and wonder. That's the only thing I really want. That's the foremost thing I want, to be in the house of the Lord. In the new covenant, praise God, we have constant access to God's courts because of the blood of Jesus. We don't have to go to Jerusalem during the major feast of the Lord and meet with him and his people to worship him. We can do it right here right now, anytime. But even so, even in our situation, we need to cultivate a hunger for the presence of God, to cultivate a desire. That's not something that is normal for us who are made of the dust of the earth. But we do have the Spirit of the living God in us, and He is hungry for that constant communion with Him. And so if we will cultivate it, by spending more time in the Word, more time in prayer, more time in worship. Get out of your rut, even if your rut is wonderful and holy, like an hour a day or two hours a day, and yet it's become a rut. Let me encourage you, get outside of your rut and seek the Lord in a whole new fashion. Maybe add a bit of fasting to your life from the media, from the news, from social media, from food, from entertainment. Add something to your life or take away something from your life that puts you in a whole different place of seeking God and cultivate a greater desire and hunger for the, for the living God in the courts of the Lord. Just soak in the Word and let Him refresh you in it. Here's a, here's a warning for us. If we will fill our lives with busyness, even good things, good activities... We'll fill our lives with worldliness or with pleasures. We won't be hungry for God. There's nothing in us that hungers for Him because we have filled every cavity with everything else, all of our busyness, all of our work. We need to to make time. We need to be different than the people of this world that are running haggard to keep up with everything. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Only you can ask the Lord to do that for you, to help you carve out a different season of seeking Him. But I encourage you to do that. I feel like this is what the Lord is saying to us today. Let's go back to Psalm 84. Verse 3 and 4. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. So he's envious of the swallow and the sparrow that have free access at any time to the courts of the Lord and the altars of God. And again, we have that blessing. We have free access at any point. He breaks out in blessing saying, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. The word dwell is a Hebrew word, Yoshev. And Yoshev is a common word. It's one of the first ones you learn when you're studying Hebrew. It just means to sit. That's the most basic thing, just to sit down. But there are actually many different ways that that word breaks down in Hebrew. And one of the ways is not just to sit, remain, abide, those are common ones, but it goes to the point of saying married to. So it's like he's breaking out in blessing to say those who live in your house, they dwell in your house, they are married to your house, there's a special blessing for them. Now that is an intimate relationship with the presence of God. Verses five through seven says, "Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion." So, starting in verse five, "Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage." You all, we need to set our hearts on pilgrimage. This isn't just something we're reading in the scripture. The reason we read the word is to know what we need to do. We read to understand and to obey. So we need to set our hearts on pilgrimage. That means we choose to keep growing. We don't think, okay, I'm at a certain age now and a certain maturity in the kingdom of God and I don't really need to grow anymore. I can kind of coast the rest of our life, my life. Don't reach that place. We need to constantly be growing maturing in God's kingdom. We will never arrive. We are always striving to reach the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we need to stay humble. We need to stay teachable and continue to grow. Study the scriptures. Sit under godly men and women that are teaching the word. Read good devotional books. Don't Again, don't just stay in your rut of reading one devotional book and one chapter in scripture a day. Let's go on a different trajectory to reach the high calling of God for each of us, to know his word, to know his voice, to mature in the things of the kingdom. There is a blessing for the person who finds his or her strength in God and whose heart is set on moving forward in kingdom growth. So life isn't simple or easy for pilgrims. There are valleys of baka. Baka means tears or weeping. There are a lot of valleys of Baca that we pass through on our pilgrimage. But those valleys of weeping and tears, if we can make those valleys a life-giving spring for others, then we've had victory in the midst of the valley. It's receiving God's comfort ourselves, receiving His strength in our trials, in our grief, so that we can comfort others. We see that in 2 Corinthians 1. We're not gonna read that, but he says, um, we are receiving the comfort that God has for us so that we can comfort others as they go through their painful situations. When it says they go from strength to strength, there are a number of different Hebrew words for strength. This is the word chayil, and it means military might military strength. And so it's a strong word. It's not just they'll go from strength to strength. It says they'll go from military might, military strength, to more strength, to more strength, to more strength. Man, that needs to be our testimony as we go through these valleys of Baca, as we go through these hard times that we so draw on the strength of the Lord and the comfort of the Lord that we make it a spring for others and we go from strength to strength. To strength. I just finished reading the book, The Pilgrim's Progress. Again, I'll hold it up for those of you that haven't read it in a long time. Remember this book? So the main character is named Christian, and he travels with and he meets with different tempting men on his way to the celestial city. These are the names of some of the men that he encounters. Obstinate, Mr. Worldly Wise Man, passion, hypocrisy, distrust, wanton, talkative, giant despair, little faith, and ignorance. He experienced the slough of despond, the heel of difficulty, the valley of humiliation, and the valley of the shadow of death. He also had some supportive traveling companions such as hopeful and faithful. And as I was praying about this, I thought, how necessary is it that we have traveling companions with us that are faithful to the Lord, that are hopeful. I was at a high school reunion last night, and one of the couples I was speaking with do know the Lord, but um, the wife, everything she said was negative, and I thought, you know, I don't feel my faith being encouraged. <laughs> I don't feel very hopeful listening as she talks. And there were a lot of situations in the room where people could be very negative, but there were also a lot of people that have found the Lord in the last 45 years. They're walking with the Lord. And, in a whole different place in the Lord and and that part was encouraging but I I thought of this lady and I thought I really wouldn't want her to be one of my traveling companions you know we we need to pray for godly traveling companions not just friends that we play cards with or have coffee with but who do we really do life with who do we share heart to heart with are they faithful are they encouraging are they spirit-filled travel companions. And if you don't have that, pray for that. Ask the Lord, who are the traveling companions that you want me to have in my life? Years ago, when Reuben and I were living in Haifa, Israel, we left in 2003. So I'm talking 20 years ago. There was a friend of Reuben's, a man that he had discipled many years ago prior to that. And he called us long distance from some other nation. And he said, can I come out and hang out with y'all for about a week? Well, it wasn't a good week for us. Uh, We were actually painting our apartment. So he was fine. He slept on the porch. And uh, everything was in upheaval that week. But he he came and spent the week with us. And and we said, so why are you, you know, because he had asked us a number of times, when can I come? When can I come? I really want to come. And then he finally said, this is when I'm coming because we wouldn't give him a time. So he gave us a time. And he said, the reason I'm so intense about this is the Lord has been saying to me in the last year, choose your traveling companions. Who do you want to do life with as we get into the end times? Which we know we are now in the end of the end times. The Lord will be returning. And so he said, and my wife and I spoke and we chose three couples that we want to be closely related to in the end times. And he said, you two are one of those couples. So I wanted a week where we could talk together, pray together, seek the Lord together, and continue to build this relationship. Do y'all have people like that? You know, it's a rare thing to have people like that. But in these last days, we need it. We need people that will hold our hands up when they're falling down. We need people that encourage our hearts, that will pray for us. They'll stand in the gap. We need that. So I want to say again, pray for that. And be intentional. If the Lord puts someone on your heart, go to them. There was a, when I was single missionary in South Africa, there was a lady that she saw, I'd gotten very thin. It's hard to imagine now because I have put on about a million pounds. But um, I was working so hard, I really didn't take much time to eat. And I never took time to cook. So if I ate, it was on the run. I was working about 16 hours a day at that point. And a lady in our church that was working with the youth under my leadership came to me and she said, look, I make dinner every night for my family. If I make an extra plate of food and I give it to you, would you eat it? So I said, sure, (laughs) I'll I'll eat it, you cook it. So every morning at 7 o'clock, she would come to my house with a plate of food from the night before and I could eat one plate of food, one good meal a day. And she did that for about a year. And there were times I'd think to myself, I'd really like to get to know her, you know? She's such a high caliber person, loves the Lord, had a couple of kids and a husband, worked full time. And I thought, she'd never have time for me. So, you know, I won't build a friendship necessarily that's deep, but you know, we appreciated each other and she worked with me with the youth. You know, after I married Reuven and moved to Jerusalem, she wrote me one day and she said, I, I'm so glad I got to feed you every day, but I really wish we'd had time to be friends. And I feel like I lost an opportunity because I never voiced that to you. And I wrote back to her and I said, and I felt the same and I never voiced it to you. And you know, if you feel in your heart there's a certain person you need to connect with on a different, deeper level because they need to be a traveling companion with you, don't miss the opportunity. Be intentional. Okay. So, let's look at verses 8 and 9. A <clears throat> oh Lord God of hosts, here it is again, God of the armies of Israel, God of the armies of heaven, Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. You who chose Jacob in spite of his weaknesses, in spite of his failures, and you responded to his prayers, Lord, hear my prayer just as you heard Jacob. That's what the connection is here now. The patriarch Jacob, you are alert to his prayers. Would you be alert to my prayers? When he says, look upon our shield, the shield was a wraparound shield. So he's kind of saying, look upon our protection. Look upon this wraparound shield. Look with joy upon the face of your anointed one, the Messiah. And then he goes on to say, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And what this means, when he says a day in your courts, what he's actually saying here is one day in your courts and to die the next day rather than live a thousand days is preferable. I'd rather be one day in your court and die the next day than live a thousand days in exile away from your presence. So he says, I would rather stand at the threshold when he says, a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, um, that actually says to stand at the threshold. I'd rather be at the door, at the threshold of your house, not in the middle of everything that's going on, just at the door as a doorkeeper. I would rather do that than to dwell in luxury in the splendid tents of the wicked. And then he goes on to say, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. <clears throat> the Lord is a sun and shield to those who trust him and walk uprightly. He gives grace and glory. These are gifts the Lord gives us. The word translated grace is the Hebrew, Hebrew word chen. It's mentioned from time to time, so you might be familiar with that. If you're writing it in English, it's chen, chen. And it means kindness, graciousness, favor, loveliness. God gives us these gifts. He also gives us glory. Glory is kavod in Hebrew. It means honor, dignity, splendor, power, authority. So if we will walk in righteousness, God will give us light. He'll give us protection. He'll give us grace, favor, kindness, honor, and dignity. He will not withhold anything good from us. And actually the word thing is in implied by the translator when it says no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The word thing isn't in the Hebrew. In Hebrew it says no good will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I like that better because when I hear the word thing, I think of things. And I think we don't need things, you know, but it's no good will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And then let's turn uh, one last scripture in Isaiah 60. We're going to leave Psalm 84 now. Isaiah 60. And we're going to read verses 19 through 21. But before we do that, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. That wasn't in my notes. So Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There's the glory the Lord gives you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. We're seeing this, aren't we? The deep darkness is increasing all over the earth. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. As you walk in righteousness and upright before the Lord, his glory will be seen upon you, not for your glory, but for his glory. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Okay, now look at verse 19. <clears throat> The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord shall be to you an everlasting, <clears throat> sorry, too much talking last night at that reunion. <clears throat> the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God, your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be your everlasting light in the days of your morning shall be ended. Also your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. So this portion of Scripture refers to the millennial reign of Jesus that we read about in Zechariah 14, when he reigns for a thousand years on the earth. But even now, God is our glory, he is our light, he takes away our shame and replaces it with honor. So we're in the prelude before the millennial reign of Jesus. We already can go to Jerusalem and worship during the Feast of Tabernacles like believers have now for the last 40 years. We can already look forward to the light and the glory that's going to be so different than what we see now because we're still in a world of darkness and corruption. But all that will be gone during the millennial reign. So let me ask you some rhetorical questions regarding some main points in this psalm. Do you love God's tabernacle? Do you long for his presence? Are you hungry and thirsty for more of him? Would you rather stand at the threshold of his house than to dwell in comfort in the tents of the wicked? That's the first question. second one, is your heart set on pilgrimage? Do you choose to keep learning and growing spiritually? Are you humble, are you teachable? Are you seeking out more knowledge in order to have more wisdom, in order to walk in wisdom and in the fear of the Lord. Do you have faithful, spirit-filled travel companions? And if not, pray for some. Seek them out. I've heard people say, well, at our age, it's hard to make new friendships. It is. But in the kingdom of God, we can do it. We can make friends right up to the day we die. And then third, if you're in a valley of tears and weeping, are you making that valley a life-giving spring for others? Are you receiving the Father's comfort and strength? Are you appropriating it because it's there available for you? Are you receiving it? Are you applying it to your heart and your life so that you can comfort others as they go through trials? So as this Feast of Tabernacles ends this year, Let's give thanks to God for walking with us through the deserts and the valleys of our lives. As we've pilgrimed on our pilgrimage, he's provided what we've needed, just as he did the Israelites in the Old Testament as they walked through the wilderness for 40 years under the leadership of Moses. Let's long for his courts. Let's long for his presence. Let's not be satisfied with the less. Let's set our hearts on pilgrimage. Let's pray. How lovely, Lord, how beloved is your tabernacle, your dwelling places. Lord, we love to be in your presence. Lord, would you stir that up even more in all of us, that we would long for you, we'd languish for the presence of the Lord. We'd set our hearts on pilgrimage. We would keep growing and learning and seeking you out, pressing toward the high calling of God, in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray none of us would be mediocre in our walk with you. None of us would be passive. None of us would accept right where we are. We won't be satisfied with less than what you have for us. And Lord, if we don't hunger for that, would you stir it up in us? Cause us to hunger and to thirst for righteousness, for your presence. Lord, we do long for your courts. I pray that that longing would take us into new places with you, deeper places with you, higher places with you. Lord, expand our capacity for your presence. May we know you in richer ways than we have in the past. May we hear your voice more clearly than we have in the past. May we grow, Lord, to be more mature in the things of the kingdom. Not just for our own sake, but for the sake of everyone around us. Lord, I pray your kingdom would be established in us. It would be established in our families. It would be established in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our state, and in our nation. Jesus, be glorified. May this be the planting of the Lord. May this nation be the planting of the Lord that brings you glory. May that be true of our lives individually. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. And Lord, if uh, some of us need more traveling companions or different traveling companions, I pray for those. I pray for divine alignments in your family that we would find the people that we can walk through the rest of our lives with sharing heart to heart, praying with one another, not needing to use walls or defenses or pretenses. People we can be real with that can help us reach our destiny in you people that we can help reach their destiny in you. Jesus, I pray that we wouldn't fear relationship and we wouldn't be passive. We would be assertive as we hear from the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Next week, we're going to be looking at Psalm 91. We're going to be blessed to have our Elder James Poole share the word with us. So God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. Let's go worship the Lord together because we long for his presence. Love you all.